Thank you very much, Jan, for uh, inviting me to come today. Uh, Javel and I uh, uh, repent in uh, ashes and, uh, uh, and sackcloth. I think that's what they say, in ashes and sackcloth, for coming late and having uh, your service delayed for a bit. Uh, we have a good excuse, but I think we still uh, very uh, much regret it. Uh, my talk will be based on Ephesians chapter 2, so if you have an, a Bible near you or a phone, it would be great if you could open that. Uh, uh, generally, it's, it's not a good habit to, have, uh, to use your phone in a service, but nowadays I think uh, it's allowed, it's permitted. So please uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and let's ask for God's help as we do that and as we pray. In my father's home or house, there's a place for me. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you have made us your children. You've made us a family. And Lord, as we hear your word together, we pray, Lord, that our hearts will be plowed as it were. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you will warm our hearts with your words. Uh, and pray, Lord, that we live here, Lord, as people who have met their father, who have heard their father's words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It is an unnegotiable fact that we are made for relationships. Some are better at it than others, but we all agree that we need each other. And you don't need to be a Christian to agree to that. You see, even non-Christians, even the world at large, uh, know that we need to get alongside each other. The idea of un unity is uh, pervasive in our world. So we long for a united Europe, so we have a European Union. And uh, when, when one of the countries decides they're not going to be part of Europe, we feel betrayed. And so we don't want them to win Euro 2020. I, I wonder if it's just me, but did you feel that it was like the world against England last weekend? You see, after the war, we, we thought we need nations to get alongside each other. So we formed the United Nations. You see. The world gets the sense, get alongside each other. Think of nations with the word united on them, United Kingdom, United States of America, United Arab Emirates, even football teams. In my own country, there are several foot football teams with the word united. But the one that's probably known more is Manchester, Manchester United. I keep wondering how it works, because there's also Manchester City. I wonder how it's Manchester United on one end. But you get the sense, don't you? We, the world values unity. Uh, in every workplace, if you work in most uh, big cooperatives, I'm sure uh, one of the recent things that have come up is an inclusivity policy. Uh, and it's a big thing right now. We need to tolerate each other, include each other. And yet the truth is, and I think my assessment is right, 
for all we are doing to create inclusivity and tolerance so that we work together, there's not much fruit. You see, in July 2021, we're not talking about, you know, 1850. We're talking about July 2021. One of the most brilliant young players was racially assaulted online for missing a penalty. Thousands of people are here, more than 10,000 hate uh, uh, tweets were made against this 19-year-old boy. See, it's a world full of hatred and conflict. Uh, I think the stats are that uh, at least two people are killed in conflict every minute. Can you think about that? Every minute, two people in our world are killed due to conflict. And so the question is, how do we as Christians, how do we as a church find true unity in such a divided, polarized world? Now, I don't know if you're familiar with social media challenges where, you know, I, I come up with something, I post it on social media, and then some of my friends do it, and then their friends do it, and before you know it, it's viral. So at uh, the beginning of the pandemic last year, there was a 25 push-up challenge. So I recorded myself, you know, doing 25 push-ups and posted it on social media. And of course, everybody else was doing it. And one of those, the other challenges that has been uh, uh, a lot, especially during the pandemic, is what I think I call a, a before and after challenge. So you post two pictures and you say, this was me before, before I hit the gym or before I did this, and this is me after. Uh, or this is how it began and this is how it is growing. And I think our passage today is structured like that. There is a before, how it began, and there is an after, how it is growing. So the before, verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in the world. It's difficult to fully grasp the extent of the divide, the hatred that existed between Jews and Gentiles. You see, it's, it's almost something like, you know, the Hutu and the Tuts in Rwanda, where my wife comes from, uh, that led to that terrible genocide in 1994. Or the apartheid in uh, South Africa. It, it, it was a terrible animosity, hatred between Jews and Gentiles. You see, it is even said that uh, every Jew would wake up in the morning and pray every single day, thanking God that he was not born a Gentile. Can you think of that? Every day they prayed a prayer of thanksgiving that they were not born a Gentile. But you see, it was not just racial, it was political and even theological. 
See, the Jews thought of themselves as, as the people of God. And rather than being humble and thankful because they didn't really do anything to deserve that, they became very proud of it. And, and, and they even certain name calling the other, the, the other group, the Gentiles, you uncircumcised people. Uh, I, I see this church is really uh, multicultural. But in, in several cultures around the world, even today, to call somebody uncircumcised person is very derogatory. It's really bad. And that's what they call these Gentiles. And yet circumcision was a beautiful thing, was a blessing, a sign of, of covenants that they had with God. They turned it to an insult, you uncircumcised Philistine, uh, 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 Gentiles. And so Paul, Paul tells the Gentiles, remember what you are. Remember what you are. You are despised. You were called all these derogatory names. Remember that you are separate from Christ. And I think uh, in the sense of a, a Messiah, Christ the Messiah, you see the Jews were expecting this Messiah and that uh, uh, gave them such an identity and a hope. Uh, and the Gentiles didn't have that. You see, remember that you were excluded from citizenship in Israel. Again, not Israel the country, but Israel as the people of God. You see, they were like refugees, to use that word. Related to that, they were foreigners to the covenants of promise, the privileges that comes with being a citizen. They, they didn't get that. And even more tragic, they were without hope and without God in the world. The word there is atheia, from where we get the word atheists. They were atheists. Uh, of course, they had, they had God, they believe in God, but according to the Bible, there's only one God, and they didn't have that God, so they were atheists. You see, they were in such, they were so far away from anything around being people of God and being among people of God. That was there before. So he tells them, remember what you are. And then number two, after. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And near here is not like, you know, when uh, Oma usually plays with the grandchild and she hides something for the grandchild in the corner and the grandchild is walking around searching and Oma says, nearer, nearer, uh, Oma is cheating. Yeah? It's, it's, it's nothing like that. It's nearer in the sense that the child has found what was hidden. He found it. Verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people. You see, it's like all visa issues have been sorted. The embargoed exam has been passed. You're just from the Gementa to receive your citizenship. It's done, dusted. You are a citizen. That's what he tells them. But you see, if being a citizen feels a bit impersonal, he tells them something more. He uses the image of a family. And he tells them, you who are nothing are now members of the household of God's. 
See, all Christians are, are relatives. You see, you are my relatives. He tells them, you, you are members of this family, of this household of God. And if a family is generational and, and transient, he moves to another more permanent image, the image of a building, verse 20. You are built. You see, if, if you're one of the bricks, I don't know how old this building is, but if you're one of the bricks that was used to build this building, there's a sense of permanence there and security. You'll need to destroy the house to remove it or to remove that brick. You see, the people were so far away have become so indispensable among God's people. They are safe. They are like just a brick in a building that is being used to build this temple uh, for God. And so the question is, how could Gentiles who were so far away from the people of God, the Jews, how could these two groups that hated each other so much be brought so close together, so tightly? How was it done? You see, if you post a before and after challenge on Facebook or Instagram, you have to write a caption there, isn't it? You know, what is it? Is before what and after what? And, and this passage gives us a caption. You know, what, what brought the change? Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulation. You see, the divide between Jews and Gentiles was not just ideological. The, just like, you know, you remember the Berlin Wall? There, there was a physical wall. In the temple, when you came to the temple, there was a wall that surrounded the temple. And the Gentiles were never allowed to grow beyond that wall. They stayed outside. It was such a physical uh, representation of the divides that existed between these two people. And Paul says, even that wall has been brought down at the cross of Jesus. On every Good Friday, we, we read that story of, of the curtains in the temple being torn into two. And Paul says it's not just the curtain in the temple being torn into two so that people can go into the Holy of Holies. No. Even the wall outside there that prevented the Gentiles from even coming to the temple has been brought down because of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's a big thing. See, for a Gentile to have crossed that wall would have been punishable by death. That's how severe it is. And now, they were not just allowed to get into the temple, but when they got into the temple, the curtain was also torn, and they could get into the Holy of Holies. So it's, it, it's a powerful thing. The law with its commandments and regulations, they are think, mean the old covenant governed by the Mosaic law. That has been destroyed, has been pulled down, and a new covenant established. Verse 15b, his purpose was to create in himself one humanity, the church, 
out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. You see, the cross of Jesus brought down that wall of hatred and animosity and prejudice between these two people. And the cross of Jesus brought Jew and Gentile together to form one church. Now, not so much in this country, but uh, where I come from, uh, uh, it's such a hierarchical uh, uh, culture. So if you're a big person, it's not easy for people to access you. So if you're a top government official, there'll be layers and layers of people around you, you know, bodyguards, a secretary, and, and all these people, so that an ordinary person can never really access a big man up there. And Paul says, you see, with God, it's not like that. Even the Gentiles, both Gentiles and Jews, they can have an access to God, verse 18. For through him we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access to the Father by one Spirit. You see, no appointment is needed to access Jesus or to access God. You see, there's 24-7 unlimited access to the creator of the universe, whether you're Jew or Gentile, black, uh, uh, white, uh, Asian, whatever nationality you are. 24-7 access to the Father. Because I'm glad you get a lot of people asking me to pray for them. And, and I'm always happy to pray with people and help people pray over various issues. But over time, I've decided there's one group of people I will not pray for. I, 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 that's probably shocking to you. But you see, I will not pray for people who think that because I am clergy, I have more access to the Father than they have. So that I have some special, some golden buzzer that they don't have to access the Father. So my prayer is more special and more important than their prayers. So over time, I've decided I'll not pray for people like that. Now, of course, I take uh, uh, it's a, a huge privilege that I'm clergy, that I'm a priest. But you see, I've realized that there's no VVIP access to the Father. There's no premium membership when you put on a collar. No. Jew and Gentiles, poor or rich, having a job or not having a job, child or old, all of us have equal access to the Father by the Spirit. There's no us versus them. There's no clergy lady in its exaggerated form. There's no those who speak in tongues and those who don't speak in tongues. You see, there's, there's, there's no all these divisions and all these classes that we like to put ourselves into. You see, our identity and unity is based on the fact that we didn't serve, we didn't deserve to be God's children. And God has made us his children. Uh, there's a new uh, archbishop in Sydney, and in his acceptance speech, he said something really profound. He said, 
uh, on the Monday before uh, the election of Archbishop, which was think towards the weekend, uh, a dear old woman sent all of them a text, all the people who are standing to be Archbishop. And the text told them that the highest privilege in this world is not to be an Archbishop. The highest privilege in this world is to be a child of God. And I just found that so powerful. And that's I like that song that we sang. You see, that's the greatest privilege, child of God. I, I am a child of God. And who, whoever you are, however different you are from me, you are a child of God. Do you also see that Western individualism has no place in the church? There's no Lone Ranger Christian, no. It's Jew and Gentiles together. As a pastor friend of mine says, the call is not just to walk with God. It is to walk with God together. We are not just called to love Jesus. We are called to love Jesus together. Brothers and sisters, the, the, the only way we can come together is through the cross of Jesus Christ. See, it's the cross that's the unifying and leveling factor. No PhD and uneducated, no. When we come to the cross, all those things go away. And we come as sinners saved by grace alone and made to be children of God. Amen.